Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Today we're going to be talking to you about the fan chosen via our poll, 16 Candles. <sighs> Thanks, fans. We love you, too. <laughs> to, to be fair to our fans, it was a tie between 16 Candles and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So we're going to do both of them. But this was the uh, first on our list. And being that we're two middle-aged grown men, <laughs> heterosexual men. Yes. <laughs> we chose to get the pain over with and watch 16 Candles. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's kick it off with first impressions of the fat man. Boy, it wasn't even high school uncomfortable. It was just straight up uncomfortable as my wife was watching it with me. Uh, we go, we can't believe that this was written by a man for teenagers. <laughs> it was very overly explicitly sexual in nature, even though the storyline was supposed to be about a coming of age story of a young high school woman. <laughs> the story comes across like you would for a John Hughes movie, but it is fleeting and it happens fast and then it just goes away and it's hidden amongst all the other shenanigans of that movie. Okay. Yeah, I will in general agree with you. This was, from my perspective, yet another, not another teen movie. <laughs> and possibly one of the first of these. This was possibly the originator because it had all the same elements. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, not another teen movie was to make fun of this movie and other John Hughes type movies. <laughs> right. Well, no, what I'm saying is like, Can't Hardly Wait was like this movie, except it was John Hughes as hard as John Hughes can John Hughes something. <laughs> it was it was just John Hughesness everywhere. And you're right. It was awkward and possibly every possible way it could have been for every demographic that could have watched that film. <laughs> right. But for the wrong reason, right. sometimes it's awkward because you're like, oh yeah, that's high school and high school is awkward. I, I don't remember these things happening in high school, but I'm sure they did. Right. Sometimes you're trying to portray that. Sometimes you're trying to get that across. In this one, it was just like everybody watching this movie would have felt bad about the fact they were watching this movie at some point in the movie, no matter what demographic. <laughs> so I said, oh my gosh, or oh my goodness, a lot during this movie. I had to start drinking about 30 minutes in. I made the comment, how much longer can this last? Several times. <laughs> I was like, wow. It was pointed out to me that John Hughes did write for two National Lampoon movies. And so a lot of the comedy now that I know that, it makes sense. But at the same time, you hear a lot about 16 Candles and you think, oh, this is a, again, a coming of age teenage movie in the 80s. And it just wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it did not feel that way. So, okay, let's get into the movie now. Molly Ringwald wakes up and it starts like on a normal Chicago suburban street. Somebody's driving down the road. You got the the traffic report on their car, you know, and it goes by the uh, main character's house. And then you come inside, Molly Ringwald wakes up and you just see some of the general busyness of a, a full family house, you know, family with three kids, two adults and other things happening. You find out that the uh, oldest daughter is getting married and, you know, people are fighting over the bathroom and, and stuff like that. Yeah, back when, when houses only had one bathroom, no matter how many people lived in it. Right. <laughs> I'm glad we got over that as a society. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, somebody said, why? We we can build houses however we want. <laughs> we can do this a lot better, guys. <laughs> and then we find out it's Molly Ringwald's birthday. And as she's going through her daily routine and people are talking about her older sister getting married, nobody's mentioned that it was her birthday. I'm going to point out that the first super 
awkward sexual thing that happens is her little brother, the 10 to 12 year old kid, yes. mentions the fact that her older sister, who is getting married, has just started her period. <laughs> and that that is going to make the honeymoon interesting. <laughs> to which the dad responds, where do you learn this stuff? <laughs> And the kid responds, school. And the dad's final response is, well, at least I'm getting my money's worth. <laughs> to which I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I got to laugh at that because it, it is funny and it at least doesn't, I don't think it, it necessarily knocks on the fact that there's sex education in school. If anything, it points out that how sexual education is uncomfortable for parents. And that really, despite all the parents' arguments for it, they're like, thank God I don't have to tell them. <laughs> so, like, as kind of its own standalone thing, it was funny. Yes. And we moved past it. But it sort of becomes this kind of shade that sort of envelops the rest of the movie. Like, there are these kind of jokes throughout the whole movie, which are just, yes. a, they're not necessarily off-putting one-on-one, but when you start to accumulate them, you're like, oh my gosh. And especially on who's <laughs> delivering them. Yes. <laughs> Like you think about it and you go, they had to get kids and teenagers to actually say these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you get Molly Ringwald starts off with her, like looking in the mirror, critiquing her own body, which I hear that's a thing that teenage girls do. So, okay. I guess guys do it too. <laughs> yes. But uh, again, because we're, we're guys, it's, it's uncomfortable for us. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at least in that respect, the movie was probably going where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. That made sense. I think the first S-bomb gets dropped, which surprised the crap out of me. <laughs> like, there there seemed like there was more p- cursing per capita in this movie than there were in all of the other John Hughes movies. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I think you're right. I really do. I know I most of the movies I watch these days don't have, like, almost any cursing in them because a lot of them are kids' movies or they're PG. But, like... I don't remember even Animal House having this much like, yeah. And it's like you know, curse curse words have a level. They're level, you know, like like the A word and the C word. They're kind of on a lower level, and the B word, well, just and the S word, and the F word are kind of up there, and they like primarily stayed in that top realm <laughs> like when they decided to use a word. Yeah. I'll come to the other big word that they used, and it was pointed out to me they actually only used it once, but we'll, we'll get there. But yeah, again, this was from what I thought, having grown up and seen this movie referenced in the zeitgeist and all sorts of other things, I thought was a movie about teenagers directed for teenagers, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's talking to her friend. I got to say, all the phone conversations, so they didn't do the whole split screen trick. Uh-huh. Where it looks like, you know, two people are talking to each other. So it was just a single screen. And that, because I'm living in this constantly used split screen era, like that made it seem super fake to me. <laughs> like, like it was super easy to tell she was not talking to anybody on the other side of the phone. <laughs> I didn't notice. I mean, I just, I, I didn't think about it. <laughs> and it was particularly bad in the first scene. Like the rest of the movie, it wasn't, didn't seem that bad. But I don't know why. In the first scene, it's like. Yeah, it's like super obvious that she's not talking to anybody on the other side of the phone. I don't know why, but it was to me. So I'm just throwing that out there. So she's talking to her friend, finally comes down. Somebody makes a comment about her having her own phone line, which I don't know why anybody would have done that (laughs) (laughs) ever. Well, that's a trope, too. That's a 1980s teenage trope that teenagers had their own phone lines. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Even in, like, say, um, 
War Games. Matthew Broderick's character had his own phone line, so that way he could use the internet. So that makes more sense. But he was a teenager. I mean, he was a nerdy teenager from a well-adjusted family. I put air quotes around well-adjusted. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that meant he had money and his parents. And, they, well, I guess in that case, he was an only child. So, but I mean. So, yeah. So you got your family of four. Your daughter is getting married. Your, your 16-year-old, whose birthday is today, is established. And then we have the family saying goodbye to her without ever mentioning that it's her birthday, saying happy birthday, anything like that. And uh, Molly Ringwald's character attempts to hint to the mom that it is like, hey, I know you said, you know, have a good day to me, but isn't there anything else you want to say? (laughs) And the mom in typical, it's morning and I'm trying to get all of you blank holes out of the door. (laughs) Fashion is like, what else do you want me to say? (laughs) I thought that was a pretty good exchange, to be honest. Uh I thought that was well done, so... Before she goes to school, she drops the F-bomb about everyone forgetting her birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, like, that like stopped me. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yes, and I was thinking, oh, this has got to be PG-13 or something. Because, again, it was pointed out to me, like, in order for a movie to be considered PG-13, you can only use the F-word twice, which is a real thing. But it's funny because it was mentioned in another movie called Be Cool. John Travolta mentions, you know, if you, only, if you don't want an R rating, you can only use the F-word twice. And he goes, you know what I say about that? And then <laughs> and, um, I just went, huh. And then as the movie went on, I was like, they never used that word again. So I'm guessing that's why they were able to get away with the PG rating instead of an R rating, which is funny because you're thinking, how can you use the F word with PG rating? And it's like, well, because there was no PG 13 rating at the time the movie came out, which is hilarious that, you know, when when you're splitting the sticks like that, that you decide to downgrade to PG for this movie. (laughs) I will talk about the many reasons why that makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) Because there's another scene coming up that you're just like, how, how is this not an R rated movie? (laughs) Yeah. If there's no PG 13 and our two options are PG and R. How is this not R? <laughs> so, yeah, that's where we're at. First drop of the F-bomb, which is when I was like, whoa, what kind of John Hughes movie is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then you had the opening credits. With- I thought the credits were actually pretty clever, showing all the students. It was a little off-putting how much time we spent staring at butts. <laughs> we spent a large amount of time staring at the backsides of two people walking either hand in hand or hand in each other's back pockets that was a lot of the credits (laughs) lots of butts it's like okay all right (laughs) i'm seeing some john hughes coloration here (laughs) which again it's always funny because like you think about older generation style talking about like critiquing what kids watch these days and how it goes downhill and i look and i go do you not remember the things that you watch because i watch them now i mean i got that nostalgia that retro thing i like retro things and i'm watching it going i don't really see how this is different from from what we got now it's a little cruder but (laughs) yeah i'm gonna say like what we got now often is like better (laughs) (laughs) just flat out better (laughs) at least they put a filter on it (laughs) yeah yeah people shave now (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that has anything to do with it (laughs) (laughs) moving the bleep on (laughs) 
righty then. All righty then. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I got to remember where the heck we were. Where were we? First, she talks to her friend at her locker about her parents and her friend is quasi supportive. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that sucks. And hey, maybe you should feel your, make your parents feel guilty about it and get some better presents out of it. And then after a while, her friend's like, just move on. <laughs> they're talking about uh, Trans Am, you know, wanting a Trans Am. They're, they're talking about a perfect way to lose their virginity, which is the guy, car. And <laughs> she meets the comments. <laughs> Trans Am, black guy. Black guy? No, the car. And you're just like, eee! <laughs> <laughs> Voluntary cringe. <laughs> that would not fly today. <laughs> no, not that there were really any in the film. All that you say that, that is a true statement. Yeah, I don't remember seeing a single person other than... The donger. The donger, who was anything but white. <laughs> like, everybody else in this movie was white. And we'll get to him. Yeah, we'll get to the donger. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and another thing that would not fly today. Not at all. But, yeah, I think she goes to class and she's writing out answers. Yeah, so I have to assume this is a homeroom or something because they don't seem to be doing anything. Okay. Everybody's just kind of doing their own stuff. The person in charge appears to be some kind of coach who has the word idiot written about him on the blackboard behind with an with an arrow pointing to him, which was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't seem to be doing anything either but reading a magazine. <laughs> a statement about public education, possibly. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what were you going for, John? <laughs> Mr. Hughes. Now, this part, again, is uncomfortable, but so there were questions about how far said person, whoever was reading it, and in this case was Molly Ringwald, if I remember right. Yeah, it was. About how far they've gotten sexually. You know, I've gotten to second base and not in those words. <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love, have you ever done it? I'm not sure. Have you ever touched it? Almost. <laughs> that was her response. Was almost. Yes, it was. <laughs> so they were cringeworthy, but at least in that case, you know that that was a normal high school thing because that's what kids in high school did. So they did talk about that stuff because just teenagers and hormones and when adults weren't around, they'd talk about things as if they were adults. <laughs> that was probably standard high school stuff. That was probably the most John Hughes thing. That, at least when you think about John Hughes, the most John Hughes thing that, that came out, aside from the parental moment in the almost very middle. Well, okay, I want to say three quarters of the way with the the movie? Yeah. And then, and of course, bell rings. And, or, well, she, who does she give the paper to? So, what she does is she drops it behind her for her friend to get. But the problem is her friend doesn't see her drop it. So, one of the questions was like, who would you do it with if you could? Was Jake Ryan. And so, she writes that down. And before she writes that down, she actually like turns in her chair and looks at him. And it turns out that he's looking at her. And so he kind of catches her looking at him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we're supposed to play that. But it's the typical awkward teenagers looking at each other's kind of thing. And so she writes that down. And then she tries to pass the note by, like, doing the stretch over the head and dropping it behind your back sort of thing. But her friend doesn't see it. But Jake Ryan, who hasn't apparently taken his eyes off of her, does. And so he swoops in and grabs the note. 
So what was supposed to be like an anonymous uh, sex quiz, I guess, <laughs> has become like Jake Ryan, the guy that she has a crush on now knows that she wants to do it with him effectively is, is what came out of that scene. Right. And of course, after homeroom class is over with, she talks to her friend and realizes that that's what happened. Her friend didn't get it. And now she doesn't know who has it. Right. Which would probably cause anybody to freak out a little bit. <laughs> At least I imagine it would. I'm pretty sure a couple more S-Broms to get dropped in this section of the movie because <laughs> they're just, they fly. They're flying everywhere at this point. Talking about the, the dance for that night, who are they going with, yada yada. Then we go to the bus. Right. Her and her friend get on, and it seems like it's just full of kids that are much younger than them. And they're supposed to be sophomores, right? Yes. I guess they get on this bus, and everybody else is supposed to be a freshman. But it, honestly, it looks like a bunch of middle schoolers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. Like, did they get on the wrong bus? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you got the two guys with the jock straps on their head, which I still can't figure out exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like meatballs, you know, just the nerds that just go f- far and above and beyond being weird nerds and just don't care. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> is John Cusack in this scene with Anthony Michael Hall? No, it's just Anthony Michael Hall. Who is a freshman. He knows he's a dork, but he thinks he's like king of the dork. Like he's just the smoothest person. Like you and I were dorks, you know, we were nerds, but you know how you would always tell me, you know, whatever you do it with confidence. Well, he had no problem trying to do that. <laughs> yeah, he was a very confident nerd or <laughs> dork or whatever. <laughs> They're on the bus. Anthony Michael Hall is there. There's nerd and Riley Meanwald is there with her friend. They're riding the bus dealing with the awkwardness of riding on the bus and of course Molly Ringwald's like third to last person on this bus along with Anthony Michael Hall and it was pointed out to me Joan Cusack. Yes. She's the person in the headgear or the neck gear. (laughs) Neck brace. Anthony Michael Hall decides he's going to be the smooth freshman who's going to get an, an upperclassman and decides to try to hit on her. I would say, like, he comes in really strong and really hard, really fast. Like, (laughs) he sits down next to her in the seat and puts his arm all the way around her and then, like, makes full body contact all the way down. (laughs) Like, in every other movie I've ever seen, when somebody does this, like, the psycho killer music starts playing. (laughs) (laughs) This is the start of a lot of the uncomfortable, overly sexual stuff starts to begin. Yes. Oh, wait. We we forgot to see. We missed the scene. Yes, Yes. Miss these yes. the overly sexual. Yes, and the one that makes us go, how, how in the world is this movie PG? Okay, it was after gym class. Molly Ringwald is with her friend, and she's explaining to her friend she likes Jake, but she doesn't think Jake even knows she exists, and it's because Jake's girlfriend. And then there's this, if I remember correctly, there's a boob comparison comment. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see it. Yes. <laughs> a we, full side view nude shower shot. Oh, it starts with a close up of the breasts. Right. And with a ba-doing. Right. <laughs> or some like, I got to say that was, I remember these kind of like noises that Hughes put into a lot of his movies, but it was. This was the most off-putting of the movies that (laughs) these were in. Especially because it was at that moment I went, whoa, 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 this was made for teenagers? Like, this is a teenager's movie? And I went, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? what is happening right now? What, what, what movie is this? What message is this trying to send? Yeah. 
And so, like, it's Molly Ringwald and her friend looking at this girl, which apparently is Jake Ryan's girlfriend, showering, commenting on how, like, amazing and beautiful and whatever she is and how not that they are. And they're, like, through this whole first half of the movie, there's a constant re-coming back to Molly Ringwald being flat or, or her not having much in the way of the chest area in comparison to other people. And I'm like, why... Why do you keep why do you keep bringing this up? <laughs> From what little conversations I have had, my understanding is that these were concerns of teenage girls and that you know they did talk about these things but that problem wasn't that they were talking about it. The problem was is that this was just thrown in your face on camera. It's not put in such a way as like talking about an issue as so much as hey, we're making fun of this issue. Yeah. And we're doing it with random nudity. Well, like, I'm going to be uncomfortable no matter what, but the, like, there wasn't an undertone of, hey, this is part of growing up and these awkwardness things are happening. No, it was like, ha, ha, ha. You felt like there was almost supposed to be a laugh track behind it. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, they used, like, the pre-laugh track sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it was it was very much like felt like out of nowhere and unnecessary and then you know why is this not r-rated right <laughs> like that scene was almost animal house exactly it felt like okay college this would have been seemingly more appropriate but we're in high school here <laughs> i think as a parent i'd probably would not be like yeah go see that movie it wasn't really <laughs> weird and strange and overly sexual <laughs> Okay, so yeah, then post-school stuff, bus scene happens with Anthony Michael Hall. Like you said, he just came on really strong and almost predatorial-like. And she just kind of put up with it for the most part. Right. Like, she was, like, telling him effectively no, but she wasn't, like, doing anything about it. Right. This is, like, one of those things that you start seeing generationally as, like, you know, when people start talking about these issues and, like, today, they start talking about these issues about toxic masculinity and inappropriate behavior by men towards women. Mm -hmm. You look back and go, nobody had a problem with this, apparently, because nobody talks about it. Looking back, now you see where the problem is, you know? It's the culture around, you know, 200 no's and one yes is a yes. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, try, you know, try until she says yes kind of a deal, which is still espoused by far too many people. And it only gets worse later in the movie. Yes. <laughs> yes, somehow <laughs> this is not the worst. <laughs> and it's centered around Anthony Michael Hall, really, of all people. It really is. It's all him. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> some way, it's all about Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> okay, so the, so she eventually gets off the bus, and that ultra awkward scene ends. <laughs> and then she goes home. The first thing that happens is she comes in and she finds her grandparents are in a room. Right. Like, after having this seemingly embarrassing day where she's lost the note about uh, the sex note and her parents don't remember who she is. She just wants to retreat to her room, but lo and behold, grandma and grandpa are there. <laughs> it's, it's every teenage girl's dream. <laughs> so we meet grandma and grandpa who seem like, you know, typical Midwestern grandparents who are in their dressing clothes. I don't know what to put it. <laughs> who are in between clothes who are getting unpacked or happy to see her, but she doesn't want to see them. Typical awkward family conversation. Yes, and then she goes to her brother's room where she thinks she's staying. And that's where we meet the, the daughter. daughter. <laughs> Whose full name, we are not kidding you, Long Duck, as in quack quack. <laughs> <laughs> 
dong. <laughs> There's no way that that is not super racist. <laughs> There's just no way. Like I can't, I can't come up with a way that that's not. Now, for you ladies and gentlemen that may or may not know, Mr. John Hughes is also the author director of the movie Home Alone, a very wholesome family movie, <laughs> and has created the character Long Duck. There's a Chinese uh, exchange student staying with the grandparents who is now staying with them because the grandparents are there for the wedding. Oh, I'm sorry. He was producer and writer for Home Alone, but still. Yeah. (laughs) Molly gets out of that. She meets her other grandparents in the hallway. We meet those grandparents. They're more or less down home. Like you have the two kind of like down home on the farm sort of grandparents. And then you have the two more i don't know sophisticated or palm springs (laughs) yeah yeah they're you know like we see later that the one grandma is a cook and the other is she uses a knife to open donuts (laughs) (laughs) they're just different kinds of people it's the typical grandparent foil you see in almost every movie you have one set of grandparents who are who are one sort of personality and the other set of grandparents who are a different sort of personality so you know, we see that in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? You have Chevy Chase's character's parents who are kind of the down-home farm kind of. And you have Helen's parents who are the, you know, more ritzy. I don't know how to put it. <laughs> exciting. <laughs> more city folk. City folk kind of. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. So then Molly goes downstairs. Or what's her name in the movie? Sam. Sam yes, goes Samantha. downstairs. Yes. <laughs> Stop calling her Molly. <laughs> Samantha goes downstairs. Her brother makes fun of her, which is all uh, pretty stereotypical. Mom asks her if she can basically run dinner. Well, her brother asked her, can you remember to turn off the stove in 20 minutes? And her response is, I can remember lots of things. As in, hint, hint. And mom's like, great. And just walks away. <laughs> yeah. Molly brings up the fact that there's a dance and, and she wants to go to that. But mom basically puts her in charge of the dinner. She ends up trying to talk to her older sister, the one that's getting married. And this whole time, Molly's kind of just playing down the typical, oh, woe is me, teenager, which I'm not saying she was wrong for, for being like that. But it was definitely that woe is me. Everything sucks. Everything's terrible. Nobody cares about me. And her older sister, who's blonde, by the way, like the typical blonde, uh, beautiful blonde teenager, it's just all about her hair and about looking good and constantly everything's about me because it's my wedding weekend. Her older sister basically tells Samantha, well, you know, I hate to say that it's your fault, but it's your fault. <laughs> you know, it's because you're being a jerk and this is my day and you're just jealous. And, you know, and she's trying to she's trying to say it in a way that sounds sympathetic and, and helpful. <laughs> and it's not that at all. Like, it's thinly veiled. <laughs> yeah, no. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and of yeah. course, Molly gets upset and walks out. <laughs> the funniest part of that scene, out of nowhere, the sister ends in with like, man, you try to help somebody and they, by making them part of your wedding and they just shit all right. over you. And I was like, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind that it's your sister. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be honest, uh, her sister was like, both of them were kind of being bees. <laughs> in that scene yeah so then after that is uh, the dinner scene you have two dinners going on simultaneously you have the dinner between uh, Sam's parents and her sister and her betrothed and, and his parents and then you have the Sam with the grandparents uh, Long Duck Dong and the brother 
and I guess sister. Although I think she has one of like the younger sister has like one line in the whole thing. But for the uh, the Sam dinner with Long Duck Dong, it's mostly people asking Long Duck Dong questions and him answering, and then Sam begging to be out to go to the dance. And then telling her she's taking a long duck dong. <laughs> oh, you know would be a great idea. <laughs> she's like, no. Yeah, she's, she makes that face like. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really seem to be much of a factor when she does get to the dance. Like her walking into the dance, she's walking in by herself. Well, I was like, what happened to him? <laughs> what happened to the dog? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> she walks in the dance her friend is there again samantha's about jake ryan the set and the other thing her friend's like oh come on get over it move on trying to keep her friend grounded and try to keep the her friend from ruining the night you know by just pushing her on you know trying to get her to move past and she's like okay let's go make ourselves available i gotta say like and it's funny because i'm hitting that point now like I got to the point where I was like, well, I need to start drinking. <laughs> this was about in the movie where I was like, I, was, I paused it and I saw, I was like, oh, we still have another hour. Okay, I'm going to start drinking. Because <laughs> I don't know how much more of this I can take. <laughs> so the memorable, uncomfortable moments wasn't like her pining for the boy. That's pretty classic, you know, high school, teenage movie stuff. But Anthony Michael Hall's character, Ted, is there with his two friends, one of which is played by John Cusack, who are, again, weird nerds. One of them is wearing, uh, like, infrared uh, spy right. goggles. <laughs> and the other one's John Cusack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's weirder? We'll let you decide. <laughs> yeah, and they're standing off to one side with all the other freshmen who are too afraid to go out there and, and mingle because they're freshmen. Ted is talking about how things are getting hot with him and Samantha and, you know, just building himself up. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, go talk to her, this, that, and the other thing. He's like, oh, I'm going to do better than that, etc. cetera. <laughs> et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's like, watch this. And they're like, okay, go for it. And, and then at which point they talk about, like, you know, he's like, oh, I bet you I'll get more than just her phone number. And they're like, you know, whatever. What do you bet? You know, it's like 10 floppy disks. <laughs> Yeah, ten floppy disks. That their their bet wager was floppy disks, which again time dates the the movie. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> and so the bet was that he provide proof that he sleeps with Samantha by showing underwear, and then as he go walks away, they wanted to clarify women's underwear. Women's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of proof? <laughs> Underpants. Women's it's underpants. Right. <laughs> and gets that look of like, damn it. It's like, <laughs> so, and then knowing the scene that eventually happens a little bit later on, it, that was when I just went, mm. <laughs> 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 uncomfortable starting to set in again. <laughs> yeah. So, again, with pure confidence, you know, and unwavering confidence and not as predatory as he was on the bus, you know, walks right up to her and just assumes that he's picking up where he left off and that she's into him, you know, like just like puts his arm around her, gets in real close. And <laughs> they start dancing right before this. She makes eye contact with Jake, who's dancing with his girlfriend, and uh, he looks at her and 
then she like turns around or something and what's his name? Michael Hall is there and she like, ah, <laughs> like it's a Aww. jump scare. <laughs> then he starts his routine. And then she walks away from him. <laughs> so Ted's friends are making fun of him. Ha ha. She walked away from you. She ends up going to the school hallway and then slinking down the side of a wall and crying. And then the popular girls, including Jake Ryan's girlfriend, walking by, smoking, talking. Somebody asks her, how's it going? She says, fine. When she's out in the hallway, Jake talks uh, with Ted. He grabs him and says, hey, you know, who's that girl you're with? And he's like, what girl? He's like trying to just <laughs> deny everything because he doesn't want to get us beaten down by a senior or junior or whatever right. Jake is. <laughs> senior, because part of like that shower scene is like him working out with his buddy and talking about how he's a grown man. And, you know, she's a kid. And again, that kind of awkward sequence where you think about how old is he and how old is she? And is this another one of those dirty dancing moments when you think about their age differences and go, what? <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, huh, maybe this wasn't as heartwarming as I thought it was. <laughs> Because they're being played by actors who are all over 18, but (laughs) (laughs) you're like, uh... uh." (laughs) But yeah, so Jake pulls Ted aside and starts asking him questions about her and, you know, whether or not they're dating, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, right. And she goes back inside the dance, sits with her, her friend, who's with a guy, and then Michael Hall shows up again. And they tell him to go away. Yeah. Hey, why don't you bleep off? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then he still doesn't get the hint. <laughs> like he, he, he's like in denial at this point. <laughs> they tell him to get out of there, and then uh, you know he starts talking, mumbling to himself, and then you know during that Sam just leaves, <laughs> and he goes to ask her a question, and she's gone. And at this point, she's gone to the shop. So Michael Hall goes after her, right? And he was trying to spy on her behind a rack of I think like hubcaps or something. And of course, in true yeah. nerd fashion, knocks the whole thing over. Yep. <laughs> Solid nerd. <laughs> Standard nerd. <laughs> As Ted follows Samantha into the shop, he gets in, in the half-demolished car that the students were working on with her, and they start talking, and they have almost a heartwarming conversation about he really cares about her, and she's just not into him, but he's a nice guy, and maybe he could, you know, in a year's time, he won't be such a... <laughs> such a nerd and he gets some other girl and then he mistakes that cue and throws himself at her. Yeah. Quite literally like almost, you know, on top of right. her. <laughs> She's like, no, I didn't mean that. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, it's okay. So what does he do? Throws himself at her a second time. Yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> quite literally. And there's another one of those noises. What? <laughs> where he realizes that she said it's okay and so that that is his like oh okay it's okay now and, and it wasn't <laughs> she has to explain to him it wasn't <laughs> and so again it was one of those like awkward moments about inappropriate behavior with young women you look at it and you go yeah but nothing would have been done about it like that would have seemed almost normal yeah, right. It, it wouldn't have been anything anyone would have written home about or called the or cops on. Never would have talked to that person again about the times where he literally is attempting to put himself on top of her. <laughs> they just have, start having a conversation again after that. Right. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, 
Okay. In fact, she makes a joke about she could feel how much he liked her, and joke was, "Oh yeah, that was a pack of gum." No, it was a battery. No, it was a pack of gum. It looked like a battery to me. <laughs> but he makes the comment that fresh breath is a priority. <laughs> so unless you use batteries as a way to keep your breath smelling fresh, yeah, I'm definitely not a robot. <laughs> so no. <laughs> That was an awkward <laughs> laugh. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have now discovered that Pat is a robot. This concludes our broadcast program for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Just the day? Not ever? I mean, wasn't that the whole reason we had the podcast? <sighs> Damn it, <Pat>. <laughs> <laughs> it was after those awkward moments that he tells an embarrassing story about how he's never been with a woman. Right, which I don't understand how that's embarrassing. He's a freshman. Well, his <laughs> reputation is that he's built himself up with his friends, this, that, and the other thing. He asked her flat out, hey, can we have sex? And she's like, no. But the the reason I said no is a silly reason or something like that. Right. I'm saving myself for this uh, upperclassman. And I'm like, I, how is that like a silly reason? Like, why do you need a reason at all? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, why do you have to preface the turning someone randomly down at, who's randomly asking you for sex with a re? Why do you need a reason? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, that I just said there was like, wow, did that really just happen? <laughs> like, this is so bad. What the hell, John Hughes? What the hell? <sighs> all right, all right, I'm done. <laughs> It was. It just. It just blew my mind. I was like, "So that's the lesson we're trying to teach people: is that you need to you need to have a reason not to have sex with random people, right? Like it's it's perfectly normal, and everybody's doing it. You should have sex with as many random people, unless you have a good reason." And I'm like, "Ah, no, <laughs> no." <sighs> Sigh. Right, which is what leads to her telling him about Jake Ryan. Yes. Her embarrassing story is that she's into a guy that doesn't know that she exists. And then he's like, well, yeah, well, who is it? And she says, oh, it's Jake Ryan. He's like, oh, but he was asking about you. And that's when she freaks out. Well, what did he say? What should I do? And he tells her, you know, it's me and I'm a gambling man. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I would just go for it. And that's just, she's like, yeah, okay, I will. And then we come to the yet even more awkward part. Yes, if you didn't think this could get more awkward. <laughs> she's like, hey, I need to ask a favor. I told my friends that I would get somewhere with you. You know, obviously that was before, you know, I knew anything about you. And obviously that's not going to happen now. But I need to save face with my friends. So I have a favor to ask. <laughs> He's like, can I borrow your panties? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and there's no response like like the scene changes to i think when she goes to the coat check right the scene changes to jake and his girlfriend yeah jake's girlfriend says hey we're gonna go over to your parents house let's go let's leave this place go over to your parents house i love it when your parents are gone right everybody's headed that way they stop dancing and then he goes and gets right. the coats and molly ringwald is outside the coat check practicing lines to say you know casually what were some of the she's like hi you know, I'm Sam. Want to have sex with me? Or I had a dream about you. Yeah. I was like, I had a dream about it. I had a dream and you were in it. Or I had a weird dream. But like she, some of the other things she said were pretty funny, I thought. <laughs> yeah. So then she gets the courage to go in there. She goes into the coat room check and she's looking for her coat. He's looking for his, finds his, turns around and sees her. She sees him. They lock eyes for like, you know, a solid five seconds. They're locked eyes. And then she just turns and walks away. Yeah. She, she effectively chickens out as hard as you possibly can. Right. 
you know, obviously he's looking after like, well, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what turns from awkward from the shop room to even more awkward. And we find out the answer to the question of, can I borrow your panties? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see a scene where a freshman is knocking on the door of the bathroom. Guy opens it but crack and goes, What year are you? He's like freshman and goes, Okay, a dollar. <laughs> and it goes in and then the inside shot of the bathroom is a group of like twenty kids uh standing there and you know, knock on one of the stalls, is like, Okay, Ted and he comes out and holds up the panties with both hands like it's a show to present. Well, not only that, but there's like the dr- the drum roll. There's a drum right. and then and he holds up the underwear. <laughs> and everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> They're like, what? What did I just see here? <laughs> so you come to realize, you just saw that a bunch of kids paid a dollar to look at another high schooler's panties. <laughs> yes. Like, ah, I, as a viewer, I feel not right about this. <laughs> someone who went to high school, I don't feel right about this. Going, I don't even think I would have stooped to that level. <laughs> I mean, I definitely wouldn't have paid for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> Somewhere in these scenes also, we find out that the donger finds a tall, athletic high schooler that's into him, and they, they're dancing, and they're as close as can be, and it's one of those love-at-first-sight things. They're on each other the whole time. She gets in the car with them. Yeah, so she opts to leave. So they all three get in the car, which we only later learn is Grandpa's car. And the daughter's driving, right? Yep. This kid who's been in the country for five days, something like that. <laughs> not very long. And he's not driving well. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's cool with him driving. Somehow. <laughs> so they take her home and then they go on to the party. Uh, how they know about the party, I have no right. idea. <laughs> they finally pull in, and he flat out like crashes 100% into another car. <laughs> right. He crashes into the car, and they just walk right on in. It is kind of comical the way they get out of the car, and then he kind of like reattaches himself to her. <laughs> <laughs> One of the little notes about the car was when they dropped off Molly Ringwald. There was one of those trays attached to the door, you know, like the uh, classic drive-in diner thing, you know, the roller skate girls, you know, they put the little tray on your, your window. Yeah. There was one of those attached. <laughs> and so when they get out of the car at the party, like, you know, they just slam the door and the thing goes flying. Yes. <laughs> so at some point they stopped for food. <laughs> yeah. I get, I, and I, I wasn't real sure why that was in there. Like it was more confusing than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. They go in right to the party. In the party, you see like the house is, is like super trashed. Um, like there's beer everywhere. What I thought was like perhaps blue ribbon cans, uh, but it's not. It's like Old Hill or something. Beer brand I've never seen before, but that's everywhere. But it's clearly made to look like PBR. Yeah. There are uh, random people you can see kind of making out. There's a couple people in the background of the shots who are drinking straight out of liquor bottles <laughs> and or wine bottles. So it's like a giant raging party 
three, which, you know, maybe those happen in high school, but I don't know if they were at that level. (laughs) (laughs) It seemed to be like the typical not another teen movie party, you know, that you see in every teen movie where the the rich parents house is getting utterly trashed by all the people. (laughs) Right. And you see Jake's girlfriend uh, who is drunk. And Jake is kind of, Jake seems somewhat surprised by the fact that his house has been demolished. <laughs> right. Like there are all these people here. In fact, she introduced them, you know, everyone, this is Jake, Jake, this is everybody. And so, yeah, you definitely get that question of, so wait, were they there when Jake got there? Cause he doesn't seem to know where, how these people got into his house. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> And it's definitely very reminiscent of the scene in Trading Places where Eddie Murphy realizes that everyone at his party was freeloading off of him. Yes. He's like, how did you not realize that before? And so he seems, you know, ticked off and put off and storms away to his room. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And then I think you see the nerds come up. The two, I guess, sidekick nerds were like, hey, we don't belong here. And he's like, hey, nothing bad's going to happen. We got $70 in our pocket and a pair of women's panties. I, I don't, yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, where, where did that line come from exactly? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they ring the doorbell and he's like, be respectful to their parents. So it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They obviously don't notice all of the crashed cars and drunken people making out in them. <laughs> outside the house (laughs) you've missed something (laughs) so when the door opens it's the donger hanging by the door (laughs) yep it's at that point you're like oh i guess we could just walk on in (laughs) and they walk in of course the first steps they step into they stand in front of a table that you can see is just piled high with beer cans like a wall of beer cans and they're like, oh, yeah, we just mingled. And of course, they make a misstep and the whole cans fall down. And behind all the cans are these big, burly, jock-looking guys. <laughs> and of course, Anthony Michael Hall tries to blame it on John Cusack, who tries to blame it on the other guy. <laughs> yes. Which is actually kind of a funny scene. <laughs> yeah. Good going. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Cliff. <laughs> and then I guess they start mingling the party carries on. And while that's happening, Jake Ryan tries to call... Samantha. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 He's in his room and he attempts to call her on her line, which of course goes to where the grandparents are sleeping. Right. Yeah. So he lets it ring for a while. The grandparents are like, what the hell is that noise? Is that a cat? (laughs) The grandmother finally picks the phone up and that's when Jake hangs up and the grandfather's all like, what did they want? And she's like, sex. (laughs) (laughs) And again, it's like, what? What? <laughs> Which happens like he calls t- two or three times because uh, like the second time it rings, they pick up and he doesn't say anything because he chickens out. And then the third time, finally, the grandfather picks up. Who is this? And how are you calling at night? This, that and the other thing. And Jake tries to be the respectful boy. Uh, yes, sir. I just wanted to know is Samantha there and can I talk to her? Yes and no. And goes off. <laughs> And so Jake hangs up. He's like, oh, it was real smooth. I think it's at this point that his girlfriend comes upstairs completely drunk and hammered. Yeah. She starts knocking on his door. Right. Like falls down like on the door frame in front of it. And she's like, oh, don't you love me anymore? And he's like, get lost and closes the door and gets her hair caught in the door. At which point she calls her other two friends who are completely drunk over. And she's like, I got a couple of problems here. And you're like, all right, we'll be right back. And 
And I think interjected in this are the different phone calls to Samantha's house, you know, Samantha's phone number. Yeah. And both Jake's girlfriend and her friends are super drunk. Super drunk. Uh, super drunk. Because she, she gets caught in the door and she doesn't know how to get out. And her friends are like crawling on the floor. Right. Um, after coming down the stairs. <laughs> and of course, in super drunk fashion, their solution to getting her hair uncaught from the door is to cut it off. Yes. <laughs> Not open the door and then, or ask Jake to open the door so that way said hair could be freed, but cut it off with it giant off. horror movie size scissors. Yeah, those were some big scissors. I gotta admit. I was expecting to hear music from like Jason or something. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yeah, lots of drunken foolishness, including uh, scenes with the donger and his Amazonian girlfriend riding face-to-face on a exercise bike in a very suggestive style with all their clothes on. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Then <laughs> after that, there's a scene where he is on the bike by himself, and then you see her suddenly come up, and she's lifting, like, a barbell with a bunch of weights on it. <laughs> right. And at which point, the weights fall off on one side... And then the other, and they crashed through the floor into the wine cellar. And this was one of those moments where I was like, oh, because it basically demolishes the wine cellar. Yes. <laughs> and if you've got a wine cellar, then that means that wine's probably pretty, pretty pricey. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, ooh. And it was at this point that somebody goes, oh, party's over. Oh, we forgot to talk about Samantha's parents' dinner with the future in-laws. Oh, yeah. And how they're basically mobsters because you could even hear godfather music in the background (laughs) yes they did play godfather music in the background like literally it was from the godfather (laughs) that's talking about how his business is arcades and then he dabbles in this that and the other thing including like you know politics and something else you know he starts going off a list that you're like i'm pretty sure this guy's a mobster yeah you're like huh yeah, pretty obvious. <laughs> the mom's, you know, having a good time. She's probably a little drunk, too. And she's like, you know, one more night before you're off the lady circuit, you know, <laughs> in which the, <laughs> the the future son-in-law is like, oh, ma, uh, <laughs> why would you say that? You know, of course, I'm going to still be able to I'm not going to be dead. I can still look, but just not touch. Right. <laughs> and as he turns to his, his to his bride to be and you're just like, oh, I wonder if this is going to turn into something. Yeah, he just looked like he's he's like right, right to her, and she's like, hey. <laughs> and you can see like her parents are like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's even funnier about that is because like the son is like doing a shot with the mother with uh, his mother, and they encourage Samantha's mother to do a shot, which she can do a full shot. She's just like took like half of a shot and they're wooing you know and like you know the two dads are looking at your chair like oh boy <laughs> yeah yeah i forgot the shots <laughs> so we missed that somewhere in the party <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's just this off this awkward scene of like oh suddenly the son-in-law doesn't or the future son-in-law doesn't look all that great <laughs> what are we getting ourselves into yeah so again, yeah, after all the party stuff happens, dad comes down, he wakes up his daughter and she's like, what are you doing awake? He's like, I couldn't sleep. And he goes, I wanted to say, I'm sorry if that I forgot your birthday. And she says, it's okay now. And this is the heartwarming scene that you expected to see out of a John Hughes movie. He talks about how sorry he is and how pretty she is and grown up. And they go back and forth and, you know, how much he loves her and that they're sorry that they, they all remember now. And, you know, they all feel bad about it. 
she says it's fine and goes okay and he goes away turns to walk away and he's like are you sure everything's okay because it seems like something else is up and he's like you know you can tell me and she's getting that awkward like i can't tell you because you're my dad and you know he's like no no you know go ahead and tell me you know because if you don't communicate with me i'm not gonna be able to sleep so she tells him about jake and he's like it's not always easy he worries about her older sister because everything came easy to her you know everything came easy to her so i worry about her sometimes but with you i never have to worry because when things come easy you take it for granted right with you whenever it happens for you you're going to appreciate it more because of how hard you had to work for it yep and then she explains jake and he's like okay you know well, if he's not smart enough to know how wonderful you are then you don't deserve him but if it helps you in any way i love you yeah so that was the one john hughes moment that honestly you expect because you see it in almost every other john hughes movie except for now that i'm thinking about it, probably weird science I'd have to think about that one or watch it again, really. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, then Jake comes down from upstairs, finds that his girlfriend's passed out, and he's looking at his house just completely and utterly demolished. And he's like, I am so over this. And in a good, funny moment, you know, he grabs, like, I think, a beer off the table. And as he's drinking, he looks down, and he sees an eyeball staring right back at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he clears off the table, and it's Anthony Michael Hall's character, Ted. Like, Jake, let me out. <laughs> so this leads into yet a very awkward and very questionable scene. Because it leads to the morning stuff that, that's supposed to be the heartwarming stuff. But they have a heart-to-heart about Samantha. About Ted, whether or not they're dating, and whether Ted's really a ladies' man. And, you know, no, Samantha actually likes you. you got a shot with her. You just gotta tell her how you feel. And Jake's like, you know, questioning, how do I know you're telling me the truth? He's like, hey, what would you do if I lied to you? And he's like, well, like, kick your ass. And he goes, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he tells her about the panties and whatnot. And so he's like, I'll make you a deal. If you give me the panties, I'll give you something. That whole time, Jake's making that cocktail. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. Right. It's a martini. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow, what? <laughs> and the whole time, Ted is, is doing all the talking here, you know, and acting, trying to act like mature and older than he is and wiser than he is, you know. Again, that bravado that he's been doing every, the whole time. Yeah. And he's kind of doing the whole uh, bartender thing where he's making this guy a drink and giving him a whole bunch of ice about this girl that, that he likes, apparently, and that likes him. And this part of the scene is pretty good. Like he's telling her, Oh, she's not just a one night stand, you know, right. Treat her right. Or I will, or somebody, I'll get somebody bigger than me to kick your butt. Yeah. You know, so it's actually a little heartwarming. And then Jake really turns it into something creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I'm not going to blame Jake. I completely, definitely not. I I think it's definitely a half and half thing here. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Because, the suggestion is is that Jake will take the panties off of Ted and in exchange, Jake will allow Ted to drive his, well, I guess you could say at this point, ex-girlfriend home in his dad's Rolls Royce. Yes. Because she's completely drunk and he'll have a shot at having sex with her. Yeah. And it, it's very heavily implied that effectively... You know, he's giving Jake her to have sex with. Right. Like, like <laughs> it's just like, ah. Oh, in fact, what? I think he even said, it's like, in it, she won't know, to, she won't know the difference. Yeah. She won't even know it's not you. Right. So the first way they say it is you have to drive her home. You know, you can drive her home. And he, he keeps, tra- he, like, um, uh, uh, Ted. Ted keeps trying to get out of it. Right. He's like, I don't have a car. You could drive, you could drive my car. I don't have a license. I trust you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he gets to it and he's like, 
Jake, this is a Rolls Royce. <laughs> the, the fender itself costs five thousand dollars. I don't have five thousand dollars. <laughs> it's like don't hit anything. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> She's like, oh, great advice. Don't hit anything because like even even Ted's like, I know how badly this is going to end. <laughs> yeah. But it's not until they put the girl in the car. He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this. And it's because he gets. Uh, ugh, I feel uncomfortable just saying it. it's because he gets a peek at her panties. <laughs> Yeah, and all of a sudden he gets all juiced to go. <laughs> well, he's sitting in the car, and and then he's like, "Okay, I can do this." <laughs> so then he just starts driving her home, just like the donger. He's like all over the road, and it's not helping that the ex girlfriend is you know drunkenly all over him. You know, <laughs> yeah, she's basically screwing with him constantly, like a drunk person might screw with somebody who's driving. <laughs> right, <laughs> and at one point tries to feed him her birth control pill. Yes. <laughs> It's just, just like, uh, who writes this? <laughs> like, who is writing this scene? I don't feel, I don't feel okay watching this. <laughs> so where does he take her? Not straight home. No, no, no. He takes her to his friend's place and he knocks on their window. Like, hey guys, grab your camera, come outside. There's something you got to see. And they're like, what? UFO? He's like, something better. <laughs> like an extraterrestrial? Something better. <laughs> a female extraterrestrial? Even better. Just get out here. Just get out here. Just bring your camera. <laughs> so that way they could take a picture of Ted with passed out girlfriend in the backseat of the car. <laughs> yes. Which they... Don't even take the picture right. <laughs> right. It's hilarious because they take a picture, but it turns out to be just half of his face and she's not in it at all. Right. Then you had the scene with the dad and then next morning comes as the usual wedding day chaos. You know, people in and out of bathrooms and changing and Samantha's getting ready. It's at this point that mom says, I'm sorry, I forgot your birthday. You know, I love you. You got to know that we love you. And she's like, yes, I understand. No problem. I've gotten over it. They turn to the little brother and she's like, don't you have something to say to your sister? He's like, oh God, where to start? And she's and mom's like, no, about her birthday. He's like, oh, we forgot your birthday. That's a, that's classic. And he walks away. Yeah. <laughs> and the mom goes deep down inside. He's, he's, he's very sad about it. And then Samantha and her mom look at each other go no he's not <laughs> so then you know the wedding preparations everyone's scrambling to get into the car one and i think it's somewhere in this that mom finds out that the bride has taken four muscle relaxers they get everybody in the car right and the woman's car drives away and then all the men come out and get in their car right and then they pull out and that's where they notice the donger is laying like face down and they get out of the car and they're like, Oh my God, he's dead. And then, okay, no, he's still, he's still warm. And so they wake him back up effectively, roll him over and wake him back up. And then the grandpa is like, dog, where, where is, is my, my automobile? automobile? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I find that funny because it's referenced in a Family Guy episode. I'm like, oh, now I get where that comes from. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea beforehand, but now I know. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a reference to something. I think the grandma calls him because he tells him, "Oh, I cra- Basically, I crashed it." In like crazy Asian, <laughs> yeah, crazy Asian English, I guess. Broken English, whatever. Yeah, I, and, and then the grandma calls him a scuzz bag, <laughs> which is great because you know she's this, this she's this down home woman that was trying to keep her granddaughter safe from this person earlier when they called. 
And then the scene where they're cooking breakfast and she's like constantly trying to keep the other grandmother's cigarette right. ash from falling into the food. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You know, Donger goes back inside and then they get in the car and they head off to the the wedding. And so at the wedding, you know, going in, they're like, hey, sorry, we're a little late. They whisper to the organist, you know, her period has started effectively. And, you know, she needed to take a muscle relaxant. And the daughter's like, I took four. And the mom's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And they make those, like, you know, faces at each other. The the oh faces. Yeah. Because then as they're getting her ready, like, you see them trying to feed her coffee. And she's just, like, you know, trying to, you know, touch her face, you know. Yeah. It's just nothing's going right. And at one point, you know, the bride falls over and there's a loud crash. And dad comes in from the other side. He's like, oh, my God. Like, he's screaming, oh, my God. And the whole church can hear him. And mom's like, pipe down. We don't want everyone to know that there's a problem. <laughs> The wedding happens, you know, father's trying to walk the bride down the aisle, and she's just completely just trashed and stumbling. Yeah, and she, at one point, she sits down in one of the pews. And <laughs> yeah, hold oh, on, move over, move over, I need a rest. <laughs> oh, no, you know, and then finally get her up there, and they have the ceremony. And while this is happening, Jake Ryan comes over to Samantha's house, knocks on the door, and who should answer the door? And after the two tries, uh, the donger <laughs> answers the door and he's like, Oh God, he slams the door because he's like, We trashed your house, you know? <laughs> and then, and yeah. Then, he's like, Ah, you punched me in the face. Because <laughs> right. remember, at one point, the donger was in a tree and he jumped down. Like, Bonzi! <laughs> <laughs> and jumped down. Because you grabbed my nuts. And that's right. I punched you because you grabbed my nuts. <laughs> Nuts, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry about that. And then so he's like, you know, Samantha here. He's like, no, uh, she's she's going to get married. He's like, married? He's like, yes, married. Married? Yes, married. Jeez. <laughs> so then Jake gets in his car, starts heading down to the church. Just before he shows up, Ted wakes up in the back of the car with the girlfriend who's already awake. And they have this very strange, it doesn't quite seem to make sense, this conversation about, hey, did we do it? She's like, yeah. He's like, oh, God, you know, did you enjoy it? And it's just very not as conflict-ridden as you would think. Yeah. So, like, the lead-in on this scene, the other half is, is, is after the picture taken, you assume they went somewhere. So there isn't really any notion that he is drunk right right there's plenty to to show that she is and so you get kind of this date rapish <laughs> feel from this whole thing going on that was implied from the very get-go of the whole arrangement <laughs> right and then this scene it's sort of like more like you know we were both drunk and we were put in this situation together and it's kind of like uh and everybody's okay with it now and it's cool and i'm just like i i I mean it's nice that you resolved this and everything but (laughs) (laughs) the source point of this whole scenario was not what we'd call acceptable (laughs) yeah i yeah like yeah (laughs) this was no bueno in pretty much all all respects (laughs) no other way to put it really well, lots of other ways to put it, but <laughs> and then they they talk, and she's like, "Yeah, but I liked it." 
I think, <laughs> and I liked waking up in your arms. And so you, you get the feeling that they're now going to be dating. Right. Because <laughs> she's like, I've never dated a freshman, even when I was a freshman. Yeah. Jake shows up and Ted's like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. I am so much trouble. He's going to kick my ass. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'll handle this. Because everything randomly converges at the church. Right. Because <laughs> somehow he, par- he parked in the church parking lot. Jake shows up and he has a heart to heart with his girlfriend who turns into his ex-girlfriend at that point, which they don't really have a defining, hey, this isn't working out. It's like, I'll leave this up to you. No, I'll leave it up to you. (laughs) Okay. And they have this awkward hug of like, everything's cool now. Yeah. You know, we're not going to date anymore, but everything's cool. Then it comes to the end of the wedding. The uh, the older sister, the bride, walking out of the church completely trashed. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Like, like <laughs> throwing off her, her petticoat off, getting into the front seat of the limo with the hat and husband carrying her to the back and getting the dress caught in the door. And Oh, and of course, you know, they were throwing rice. This was in the days when it was okay to throw rice at the wedding party leaving. And then she, husband's like, come on. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's having to take her. like, get her in the car already. Yeah. <laughs> The bride ends up leaving her veil in the church by throwing it <laughs> like she would her garter. She just throws it away. Yeah. Molly Ringwald's obviously the last in the wedding party to leave, and everybody leaves without her, it looks like. She's like, oh, I got to go get the veil. Uh, she runs into a strange short lady with a strange voice. and Yeah, the organist. The organist, right. The awkward you know, conversation about the veil. And when she comes back out to the front... And she sees the cars leaving without her. She's like, oh, great. And then, there, of course, there's Jake right out in front in his red sports car waiting for her. Yes, which I think is a Porsche, <laughs> which I guess makes sense. <laughs> well, his dad owns a Rolls Royce, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have their awkward, hey, I like you. Do you like me? And, hey, are you going to the reception? And she stumbles over her words between, no, I'm not going to the reception. Yes, I'd like to go to your place kind of thing. Yeah. Basically explaining him that she likes him and that she would rather not go to the reception, which is just... He just assumes that she's coming with me. Right. So she's going to the car, and that's when her dad realizes she's not coming with them. Right. And he sees the boy, and she's like, this is him. And he's like, okay, I got to think, like, from the dad's perspective. (laughs) He'll be like, wait a minute. A handsome young man driving (laughs) a sports car? I don't like this. (laughs) Exactly. This has got bad written all over it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, "Eh, no. The next scene is them at, I think, Jake's house. Which is the closing scene. I think we finally got there. Yes, in which it's night out. They're sitting cross-legged on top of the table with a birthday cake in front of them with, you know, 16 candles on it. Mm-hmm. Super romantic, you know, he's like, and he says the classic line, and make a wish and blow out the candles. And she's like, it's already come true. And they have a kiss and then roll credits. Yep. And that's really the movie. Yep. Parting thoughts of the fat man. <laughs> definitely my least favorite John Hughes movie. It's definitely not at all what I thought. Uh, my very first John Hughes movie was The Breakfast Club, which I thought was thoughtful and incitive. And it was a great story about high school. And this one was just, it was like they were trying to tell that story, but completely inappropriate for the target audience. <laughs> Whatever message they were trying to get through, there was like a five-minute scene where it came through as a solid point, and then everything else was just lost in, in all the inappropriate madness. <laughs> there were parts that were funny, but then there were definitely parts where you like, 
this is just wrong. <laughs> Characters and, you know, cinematography. The music was great. There was definitely classic 80s music in there. Oh, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember all of the songs. I- it was a pretty extensive soundtrack. Yeah. There were a lot of a lot of different songs from a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Like ballads. I can definitely remember David Bowie and a few others. So that was great. You know, cinematography was pretty good for what it was. It was just funny to see a lot of the actors I didn't realize were in it, like John Cusack. Yeah, that was kind of, it was like, hmm. The priest was played by Brian Murray, Bill Murray's brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in, he's been in a lot of stuff, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of the National Lampoon stuff and, and other things, too. But I think that, that sums it up. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Definitely my least favorite John Hughes movie ever. Strange in a lot of ways. It was, it was like a... Uh, one of the teen movies, like not another teen movies, as I call them, it filtered through a really weird sexualized strangeness. Um, uh-huh. And it, it was fairly off-putting in several places. I'm not sure why it's considered like a classic or a seminal or, or like like a good representation. Maybe it is a good representation of what the 80s were like. Maybe that's why it's like all jacked up. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But yeah, there were a lot of very problematic things and a lot of things that just like, what? Also, very little plot or character development or really anything. It's just kind of like this random series of events that happens. Yeah. (laughs) And that is all pushed further by all the stuff that happens around the wedding, like the dinner between the parents and and all the funniness from that, the... The bride, who's basically drunk on um, muscle relaxers, the uh, all the really crazy uh, random stuff that happens, sort of, I don't know, keeps any sort of character development it, it, derailment from happening. It's just sort of this strange movie. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly stranger than you would have thought, because like you said, you thought it was like this deep philosophical John Hughes movie, and it just wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely not that. Certainly not Pretty in Pink or Breakfast Club or anything like that. Right, yeah. Or any of the National Lampoon's movies or so. So that was 16 Candles. So um, you're welcome, fan. <laughs> Fans, whoever voted for it, thanks. Thanks for that. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be following this up with Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which definitely is a classic John Hughes movie. And, and I've seen it several times. And that one, at least I'll know I'll have some good things to talk about it and will not be as uh, weirded out, creeped out or disappointed in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, remember, we have a website, which is where the poll was that got us into this mess. So if you want to go check out the website and maybe see if we've got another poll up there, movies you can vote for. Or there's also a link to our Patreon. And you can support us and get access to different stuffs, um, including I think I'm going to start doing early access uh, because we have a decent blo- backlog now. So I might do a week early access for the folks who are on the Patreon. If you guys want to keep us you know, feeling awkward and choosing some strange movies, even if it's a one time Patreon one month, you know, if it's a sizable donation or a sizable payment for a patreon uh we'll, we'll watch it i mean you know we're we'll we'll subject ourselves for money you know <laughs> to terrible movies yeah yeah no guarantee we'll give it a good review but we'll watch it <laughs> <laughs> we're not below that <laughs> <laughs> definitely leave us a comment check out our page you know and uh subscribe because we we enjoy doing this for you and uh we hope you guys enjoy listening to it yeah wherever you uh, get your podcast uh if you could rate us and subscribe that helps us uh, show up 
for other people to discover. So we appreciate everybody. And uh, so this has been another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. Ladies live forever. And for those of you going, wow, these guys don't seem to have an understanding. Let me tell you, we've each watched this once, and that's probably the best we can do with this movie right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've only ever seen this one time. And yeah, this is the one time. I think we're doing pretty freaking good, honestly. <laughs> <laughs>